0: I was watching Barry Bonds uh, back in the day. Again, all my references are a little old, sorry. And he went to this college softball uh, girls' team, girls' college softball, like champion girls' college softball. They had Barry Bonds going. And the pitcher had this big, you know, softball. The pitcher was, like, throwing him at every single one. He was, like, <laughs> out the ballpark. Yeah. It's Barry Bonds. It's a softball. He's going to knock it out of the ballpark right. every time, right? And that's what those leads can be.
1: Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to the show, Building Great Sales Teams. Today, I've got Joe Coey, CEO and founder of SalesX. This company combines internet marketing and sales execution with services like PPC, SEO, and Google My Business. Joe, it's an honor to have you on the show, brother. Welcome.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Doug, for having me. Appreciate it. So
1: I did a little bit of research, uh, stalked you on the internet a little bit, (laughs) mainly LinkedIn, and I noticed that you've had a pretty pretty awesome journey uh, from college all the way to where you are now. Um, you got your MBA, and then you ended up at Oracle. So kind of talk about, you know, from your MBA to Oracle, how did you end up in sales? Because it seemed like you were studying uh, general business and I think in, industrial, engineering, st- yeah. okay.
0: industrial engineering. Yeah, industrial engineering. So what happened is I first job out of college, I was working as a manufacturing engineer at a company called Novellas. They, they created these Semiconductor equipment, like capital equipment, that few million dollars for a piece of machinery. Mm-hmm. And then the clients would call, the customers would call and say, Your salespeople said this machine does this, but I don't see that functionality. Where is it? And I was like, oh, It doesn't exist. I don't know what the salesperson was saying. So then I would go, I went to a sales. Like building where all the salespeople would sit, and the building was completely empty. And I talked to the admin. I said, Where is everybody? And they said, Oh, they all made uh, their quota. So they're in Hawaii doing President's Club. I'm like, Okay, all right. I'm on the wrong side of the bench over here. You guys are <laughs> selling stuff. I'm left holding the bag while they're in Hawaii. So that's why I decided to go back to school. Because once you're an engineer, you kind of have a do-not-hire stamp on your forehead for sales. Mm-hmm. You know, Normal back in the day, at least. And so I figured, you know, if I get an MBA, I can probably leverage that to get a, a good uh, high-tech sales job. And so I did. I, I got that MBA and then moved on to Oracle. I was working as an inside sales rep mm-hmm. at Oracle, where we're kind of banging out 50 calls a day, yeah. so to speak. Everything's being tracked. All the metrics are published every week on performance and yada, yada, yada. And then after ten years of kind of enterprise software sales, and I did a little stint in mortgage, I started mm-hmm. SalesX to be a sales consulting company. I figured I'll help people set up their sales teams, get their CRMs going, get their documentation, you know, like uh, um, collateral, blah blah blah. And the first half a dozen clients, they all needed uh, websites. I was <laughs> like, okay, I'm an engineer. I'll figure out. You know, I figured out how to do websites, and I did their websites. Then they needed to show up on search engine results. So I'm like, okay, I'll figure out how to do search engine optimization. So I pushed out the document from Google called Search Engine Optimization Starter Guide and started doing that for people. Then they needed pay-per-click advertising because you can't beat incumbents in an SEO play, right? So mm-hmm. in a, uh, if somebody's already been doing SEO for 10 years, you're not gonna come from behind and overtake them. right? So then we did PPC and then I saw that the PPC side, the pay-per-click, the Google ads, that was the more scalable part of the business. And I started scaling that and then we started doing a lot of custom codes for, you know, going after uh, really performance-based uh, PPC advertising. And, and that's where uh, we got our start from that kind of, SalesX is called SalesX instead of Marketing X because right. it, it was gonna be a sales company and and now we just enable other companies to have high sales through advertising. Oh, I love it.
1: And it was a heck of a journey to get there too. But basically as you were going through all those sales positions, it, it sounded like you were filling in those gaps and filling in those gaps and you're like, Hey, other companies must need these gaps to be filled and so you created a company based on that and then it evolved, right? right? And so right. um, it, it's not really a coincidence. I would call it alignment, right? You always know there's these little signs, right, that you're, you know, you have the right guests on the show in this case, right? So earlier today I had uh, my, my guest was someone in my business network, Josh uh, Minoir, and uh, he also did a stint with Oracle as well. Uh, <laughs> and he was on yeah. the show this morning. <laughs> and so cool. I was like... Yeah, that's great. I was looking at your background. and I was like, "Oh, what a coinky dink!" But so um,
0: I the noticed. The big O. What's that? of fear. I said the big O. purveyors of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. That was great. Absolutely.
1: So I noticed <laughs> that, like, when you made that leap into SalesX, it looked like you had gone to uh, Wharton for leading an effective sales force, and then Stanford for selling and marketing sales as a service. And so I I was curious, did those two classes have a big impression on you for starting SalesX?
0: Yeah, actually, um, no, I was doing um, sales management. Mm -hmm. So at the end of my career, uh, before I started my own company, last three years I was doing sales management for a software company. And so I took those classes in order to better my results with my team. And uh, the big takeaway from the Wharton class was that when you have salespeople making commissions and they're basically getting a percentage of sales as a commission, um, some salespeople might not need that much money. So you're saying, oh, you'll, you'll make 100K base, 200 that plan. 100K base might be plenty for that new college grad or whatever, 80K base. But back in those days, it was like 50, 60K base. Mm-hmm might be planning for that college grad because they went from eating plain rice to now making 60k 80k 100k. So they might not have kind of the motivation to go after hitting the quota and then hitting the multiplier, which is when really you start making a lot of money. So the course in Wharton taught me to create these kind of sales plans where you're not actually making it's not like a 45 degree Uh, rise, uh, like the curve is not a straight line on how much commission you make based on your sales, but it slowly goes up. So you might make, instead of making like 8% or 5% commission, Mm -hmm. you might make like 1% until you hit a quarter of your quota. Then you might hit 2% for the second quarter of your quota. Mm -hmm. Then you might make 4% for the third quarter of your quota. And then you might make like 12% on the last quarter of your quota, and then 20% if you exceed your quota. So in a way, if you're not going after it, you're not making enough to just be comfortable with just mediocre performance. So that kind of really um, innovative sales plan design would basically uh, reward people that work hard Mm -hmm. with extra money is like for hidden quota, they're going to make a lot more money, right? It's not just marginally more money. So that was kind of cool about that. And then selling software as a service um, is uh, is a course by Stanford that uh, basically talks about this, the recurring revenue, the monthly recurring revenue being and all the statistics around the monthly recurring revenue and Mm -hmm. how to get there how to like, go from like, free to freemium to premium and so on and so forth. So it was a pretty cool course. too. Um, Yeah, so continuing education is always of course key. That was the biggest thing about Oracle, I, I always used to joke that they basically paid about the same amount of money that I paid for my master's degree, they paid for my sales training back in those days. Oh, wow. Yeah, put me through a bunch of courses. So I had like, it's almost like two master's degrees, one, getting sales training through Oracle, we yeah. Well, and I think, you know, you get the education, you
1: get the experience and everything, and one of the ways to make sure you're constantly sharpening your tools is to teach. You know, and that's what I've been noticing right. going from, you know, because I, I own a sales org, right, and so we've sold for AT&T, DirecTV, we sell solar now, you know what I mean, and mainly door-to-door. Nice. And so I've been making that transition this past year of from operating the business to doing consulting. And, uh, I I noticed that I take a lot of the stuff I teach in consulting back to my business, and it's a lot sharper because I've sharpened it against other business models. You know what I mean? Right. And so I'm able to learn while I'm teaching kind of deal. And uh, I I noticed that um, for the SBA, you were teaching that intelligent selling course. So how was your experience with that, especially a government entity on top of that?
0: Yeah, really cool. I mean, SBA is is an organization where you... Uh, have to get invited back and I was invited back for like several years every quarter to have me go in and teach until I just got kind of tired of driving to the city and mm-hmm. parking and dealing with it and <laughs> teaching the same thing. Yeah, But um, yeah, but basically the, the intelligence selling, um, I don't remember what the specifics of it were about, but uh, uh, some of the principles in intelligence selling is why would a senior executive Want to even talk to a salesperson?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The senior executives do want to talk to salespeople, but you know you have to earn their time. You can't just hit them with some blanket emails, and you know then right. be surprised that they ignored you. So, and and so senior executives want to talk to salespeople for two reasons. One is if they feel that the salesperson is going to teach them something that they don't know. Mm-hmm. And the second is if that salesperson is going to teach them something that their own staff and team can't help, can't figure out. And a lot of times, that's going to be uh, data regarding how the competitors succeeded, right, because they're not going to have insights okay. about the competitors. So if, for example, if I, if I reach out to a senior executive and uh, I say to them, let's say it's a marketing, VPN marketing. I say to them, look, you're looking at marketing qualified leads, right? We have another company that's, that's spent one and a half million dollars over the past quarter generating marketing qualified leads. And when, when we analyzed their Google Ads account, we realized that if they had put their focus in this one area, they could have generated the same number of leads uh, at 900,000. <laughs> So they, they could have saved 40% and they're going to be doing that with us now. Would you like to learn what happened? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, $600,000 out of one and a half million, that's not something that they could say, up. Yeah. I don't need to learn that. Forget it. You know, because that could be like, that's the difference between driving a Ferrari and, and driving a Ford. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, those their are next big right or get get promoted get become an svp or become a chief marketing officer something like that so if you have something of real value that you can add and and you and everybody can get that it's just we cannot be lazy about it The, Mm the shortcut is the long way right so every sales team they have um case studies that they're giving out to people Right. They have white papers that they're trying to give out to people. So, what are we trying to do? We're trying to get somebody on the phone, talk to them. After we talk to them, what are they going to say? They're going to say, okay, send me something. I'll look at it. Right. And then we're going to send them something and they're not going to look at it most of the time. Right. That's an old story. Mm -hmm. So, why not get what is it, whatever it is that you're trying to send to them, digest it, synthesize it apply it to their business and then give them that information during the call So when they oh, yeah. say send me something says, i just told you here i'll send you the document but i've basically done the homework for you here's the information mm-hmm. so you know stuff like that will help you actually get earn a senior executives ear instead of just blanket emailing through some sort of automation right and we get i get like 50 offers a day it says hey joe got a question for you it's like why yeah. am I even gonna open that yeah I'm luckily
1: like, luckily, yeah. most of those go to my spam now, so <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: but no there there was two huge things I heard in there, and you know I execute more at the the entrepreneur or like small business owner level, right, and uh the first thing is value first right you've right. gotta come you've gotta come through the door with some value, otherwise why is that v b gonna listen to you right, and uh and that that value is education based in 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 the case in the example that you gave and the the second thing is qualifying the customer properly by applying your solution to their business and then showing them what that looks like and whether it's in a presentation right. or uh, on a piece of paper like you said and so i think that's two really effective selling styles right now that were probably ahead of their time back then you know <laughs> it made it so much easier for you right. to be successful i would I would imagine and then the fact that you're teaching you know that how people can say oh I wrote the book on it because they wrote a book you know <laughs> well you were you were teaching the course on it in, in that case so that's awesome so kind of fast forwarding into now I imagine you deal with a lot of entrepreneurs you know aside from c-level execs and stuff like that uh, when you look at an entrepreneur's business and it comes to digital marketing what do you what do you see are a lot of the mistakes being made right now?
0: Um, So digital marketing is, is hard to be a top performer in digital marketing and the reason for that is that Google spends hundreds of millions of dollars of creating automation that then they just give to everybody, right? They make it available through their platform. So now everybody has access to the same automation, which means what? Which means in an environment where you had two, three, five people bidding for a keyword now you have 50 people bidding for that same keyword, which means imagine if you're trying to sell a house, and you have three bids versus you have 30 bids. Obviously the sales price is going to go way high. Mm-hmm. So that's return on investment for Google is that the base price on those keyword clicks are going up. Mm-hmm. Keyword clicks that you could get for a dollar, $2, $3, and now $5, $8, $20. I mean, that's, it's amazing. Like when I started doing digital advertising, the only people that paid like $20, $30, $40 for a click were like attorneys that were trying to get people that are hurt, Mm -hmm. that are going to have like a $3 million payout. They would pay that kind of money, like personal injury attorneys would pay that kind of money for clicks. Now, $10, $15, $20 clicks, they're commonplace in a lot of different areas. And part of that is that Google is making it easy for people to jump in. And so now you have a lot more players in the auction. So what, so how does an entrepreneur prevent themselves from getting caught up in that uh, business of just buying clicks and uh, getting hit with the Google vacuum, which is basically Google opens your wallet and vacuums it all out. (laughs) Yeah, I've had that Um, happen before. It can happen. It can very easily happen. And so, so the, the key there is just one thing, which is simple conceptually, but hard to implement, Uh, but not impossible. It's actually possible for 100% of everyone to implement it. It just takes a little bit more work, right? And that's tracking uh, a lead through all the way to closure. Okay, that attribution. So a lead comes in, your guy calls them. Okay, marketing guy looks at the lead says, great, this, this is a good lead, pushes it to sales. So now it goes from marketing qualified lead to sales. Sales calls it, says, okay, this is a good lead, so it's a sales qualified lead. Then they, you know, start talking to them, go through the education, demonstration, uh, qualification, proposal, close. They get the contract, Mm -hmm. okay? That closed contract, the lead that yielded that closed contract, now needs to go back into the Google Ads system. And to do that, it's a little difficult because now your this thing is inside Google Ads, it went outside, it went into a CRM or a spreadsheet, mm-hmm. you know, or your, you know, notebook whatever. Right. And then it closed and you need to be able to say this was the lead that closed because what happens is when you buy clicks from Google, every single click that you buy has a unique identifier attached to it called a GCLID. It's a Google click ID. Mm. The GCLID will tell you all kinds of information about that click. It'll say, how old was the person that did it? What was the gender?" A lot of times it'll it'll give you most of this information. And sometimes it'll give you some of the information, but for sure, it'll give you a, 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 a set of information that you absolutely need. So it might tell you, What was the search term that the person used that they ended up filling that lead? Mm -hmm. Because people, they could put all kinds of stuff in the search box, right? You could search for all kinds of things. And what did they put in that ended up giving you a lead that then ended up becoming a contract? Mm They'll tell you that. What was the keyword that that search term triggered? So you have the search term, then you have the keyword that's in your account. What was the ad that was shown? What time of the day was it? What day of the week was it? What was the gender, the age, the location? Which state did they come from? All of that information is available inside Google, but you can't track it back to the closed deal unless you track that G-clip all the way through your CRM and then push it back into Google. Mm So if you have the closed deal data inside Google, now you can say, holy smokes, out of this $1.5 million spend, and that's that's a huge number. So let's just shrink it down. I'll I'll take everything down by two digits Mm -hmm. out of the $15,000 spend. Okay, we got 300 qualified, 300 qualified leads, and we got 30 deals. Mm -hmm. Okay those 30 deals so uh, the $15,000 let's say your cost per click is five bucks you got 3,000 clicks Mm -hmm. out of those 3,000 clicks 30 of them yielded deals what were the search terms for those 30? what were the keywords for those 30? what was the ad for those 30? what were the hour of the day? which state did they come from? what was the time of the day? what was their gender? what was their age? do you have any of that information? you'll never have that information unless you can track this all the way to the end and then bring that back and then have an agency that can know how to push that back into the Google ads and fish that out. Because at that point, once you figure those out, then you can say, Holy smokes. These 30 are like, these are like the Glengarry leads. They're the gold, you know, they're yeah. the gold bleeds, right? These are like, here you go in the ribbon. Those are the awesome ones. Okay. So then you can say, great, my average cost per click is three bucks. For those 30 specific keyword clicks, I'll pay 50 bucks. If it's, if it's three bucks, I'll pay 50 bucks. I don't right. care because now it's 30 times 50 bucks. That's 1,500. That's only 10% of your budget. But you got 100% of people that were clicking for that click, that were searching for that search time, mm-hmm. right? Or you're saying, oh, Leads from Arizona are coming in cheaper and they're closing at double the rate. Let's go after Arizona. There's this thing called impression share, which is the number of times your ads are shown divided by the number of times that uh, total ads are available to be shown, like the clicks are searched. Mm -hmm. So if I I search for, you know, like a, a brass, dog, paperweight, okay, that might be search for a thousand times a month. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the people that are buying those, they might be coming out of these five states out of the 50 states. Mm -hmm. The other 45 states, it's just wasted money. So if you can track it down, if you track the closed deal all the way back down to the source Mm -hmm. of that search term and the keywords and all the different things that I said, the geo, the gender, the time of day, the hour of the the day of week, all of those, you know, uh, nuances. Then you can be super smart about your spend, um, which makes, as a sales manager, as a marketing manager, makes you look good because now you're bringing in leads that are kind of like soft walls down the middle. You know, mm-hmm. I, was, I was watching Barry Bonds uh, back in the day. Again, all my references are a little old. Sorry. But I was watching this Barry Bonds uh, was doing this like pro bono thing. Mm-hmm. And he went to this college softball uh, girls' team, girls' college softball, like champion girls' college softball. They had Barry Bonds going. And the pitcher had this big, you know, softball. The pitcher was like throwing him at every single one. He was like <laughs> out the ballpark. Yeah. It's Barry Bonds. It's a softball. And he's going to knock it out of the ballpark right. every time, right? And that's what those leads can be. And that's the beauty of digital advertising is that it enables that level of scrutiny uh, if you have the skills to actually be able to leverage that. Mm-hmm. And this company that I was telling you about, they're spending $400,000 a month wow. on Google Ads and didn't have, that. they even had the closed data. They actually did the push the closed data back into the system, but they weren't tracking to see, all right, what's happening. In all fairness to their to their credit. Mm -hmm. They had like five different departments, and they had to feed leads to all five of these departments, there's like, you have five kids, one of them is a genius, you can't just starve the other four, you got to give them all leads, right. So in all fairness, you know, but I told them, what about, you know, what about this department? They spend 50 grand. They only got two deals. Mm-hmm. So your cost per closed lead on that is 25 grand. The cost per closed lead on these other departments is average 17 grand. And then this rockstar department is nine grand. So for that nine grand, you could have had instead of for 50 grand, you could have had six deals instead of two. Yeah. What you, you know, is that something that would interest that would be of interest? So, there's other, of, of course, considerations, but mm-hmm. the main, my main point is that the attribution is huge, yeah. huge. And if you want to be able to compete in an environment where there's tons of people competing, because Google's enabled them to, then you need to have your wrap arms wrapped around that attribution really tightly. You know, be like best friend hug. Yeah. Uh, on that attribution, and the more you can do it, the better off you 're going to be. Uh, yeah, it sounds like you're just you're siphoning down the data to to make it
1: more and more powerful as you do it. so sending it back to Google, you know obviously it's going to give you a better ROI on your ad spend, the second go round then the third go round, and then you get to start doing things like you talked about, like okay we 'll just focus on arizona or we 'll just focus on Texas or Florida or California, and rotate them you know and create let them sit for a little bit that whole deal but you know what i'm also hearing that it does is okay now instead of instead of having to sift through 3000 you know moderately qualified leads i only right. have to sift through 300 now and right. so my workforce doesn't need to be 100 guys it needs to be like 30 you know right <laughs> or 20 or whatever the case is so there's there's cost savings on that end, which what, what is going to end up happening is they're going to be reallocated to different departments or, you know, different levels, whatever the case is. But when you're a growing entrepreneur, that could be a huge cost that you don't have to deal with. It's like, how am I going to get through these 500 leads? And, and right. now I'm getting in 50, right? And so the other piece of that is, you know, when you look at sales programs, you always want the new guys coming in to kind of get the old stuff. You know what I mean, right? Right. And so you can take, you can take, you know, if you have to spend that budget, you can take part of that budget and spend it. Open up, open up those parameters a little bit. You know, you give you give your good, your specific leads to the the guys that are high performers, right? And then you have these new right. people coming in. Open up those parameters. Get a lower cost per lead. Send those to the new guys, and they cut their teeth on those.
0: Right. right? Absolutely and uh and, and, oh, sorry i was just gonna say and it it it, it helps if you're a salesperson mm-hmm. and every day you get up and ring that bell that's gonna help you yeah you're not you know it's gonna help you mentally it's gonna help you like your job more mm-hmm. it's gonna help you not look around as much it's gonna help you look good in front of your friends and family because you're making a killing yeah it's gonna help you in a million you know in a million different ways but if you're sending people a, bunch of garbage leads i remember um the, the place where i was a vp of marketing the the ceo would go to um these trade shows and he would have like ipods and oh, he'd say no. uh, he'd be <laughs> like put your business card in the fishbowl and we'll do a drawing for the ipod and then at the end he would drop like 500 business cards on my desk and says here's 500 leads and i'd be like that's not 500 leads bro it's 500, that's 500 That's five hundred pulses. Okay, those people—if you hold a mirror in front of their nose, it's gonna steam up. That's not a lead. Mm -hmm. That's a pulse. Okay, so um, people can—people that aren't in sales, that aren't getting their—you know—getting hung up on every day, that aren't having to—you know—do twenty hail marys to get out of bed because they don't have motivation. Those people—they don't understand how difficult it is for salespeople. To make a call and then just get nothing. You know, sales people want the Glengarry leads. Yeah. I don't know if you're I don't know if you I watching.
1: know exactly what you're talking about. That. <laughs> yeah. Alec so, Baldwin. And,
0: yeah. so Yeah. So in order Gino. to get yeah, if if you want to get those leads, then in paid advertising, the data is there. Mm-hmm. But you have to have the smarts to be able to process that data and you know get the essence out of it. Uh, And then redirect your effort Um, I can give you another example Uh, We we were working with a company that did debt relief. This is before uh, kind of Google cracked down on the debt relief stuff Mm -hmm. but um, these guys they started out and their cost per click was like seven bucks and Their cost per deal was like 700 Mm bucks. So they'd have to get like a hundred uh, uh, kind of lead 100 clicks to get one closed deal. Well, we um, through this process of taking the closed deal data, putting it back, taking it, putting it back, taking it, putting it back, we got it down to where their cost per click, instead of seven bucks was like 30 bucks. Okay, but they were closing one out of every three deals uh, leads. Right. So they were just, they were crushing it at that point, right? Their cost per close lead went from 700 to like 90 bucks. Uh, but the cost per click went from seven bucks to 30 bucks because we knew that these are the awesome clicks. We want them at any price. It doesn't matter what the price, just give it to me at any price. And then we'd throw all the rest of the clicks to the competitors. So those guys are like, oh, I got a bunch of great clicks, but they didn't close any deals. You know, like, it's not, it's the quality of, of the lead that counts most if you're in sales. 100%. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so there's,
0: there's five things that
1: I look at when I look at a sales program. You know, compensation, opportunity, development, operations, and culture, right? Culture is the most hmm. important, but those other four, if one of them is kind of a 10 out of 10, like compensation in this case, and you know, leads affect compensation, right? It's not compensation in the sense of, oh, you know, I'm getting paid this much per closed deal. It's hey, my company sends me ten leads a day and three of them close every day. You know, I know right. I know the stats and they're sending me quality leads and I'm not having a bunch of unnecessary conversations with unqualified leads. Right. Right? My compensation's going up versus the guy that maybe gets paid fifty percent more but doesn't get leads or only gets one really good lead a day. You know what I'm saying? So the compensation is 10 out of 10. It's going through the roof. It can carry the rest of the sales program. You know what I mean? You could have, you know, maybe not so great operations, maybe not the best culture, you know what I mean? But that'll kind of carry it a little bit, at least for a quarter, right? And then you've got to fix the rest of the stuff. And so, um, no, I love that. And the concept in general, I hadn't heard about yet and I'm sure you know people are in the business understand that concept but what it is is it, it's a great tool for entrepreneurs to, to use when they're hiring the digital marketing company like hey tell me about your process and then once we get our first set of leads then what are you going to do and kind of test them see if they're right. worth their weight you know and so that's a great tool that you're bringing to the table there I appreciate that of course so another thing that you like to talk about is being in Google's good graces how does a business owner achieve that
0: so basically what happens is let, let's think about what Google wants uh, Google wants or used to want um, the priorities are shifting a bit but mm-hmm. in, in general I could say in all fairness Google wants great user experience that's why they succeed the way they succeed because their search engine is amazing It brings up great results Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not cluttered with a bunch of stuff. Like when you go to the Google homepage, it's just, what is it that you want to search? You're not getting hit with a bajillion ads like it used to be back before Google. Mm -hmm. Or like it was with like Yahoo and and, AOL, AOL, yeah, uh, all the AltaVista, all the the different players of the back in the day. So, so what, what does. Um, a good experience Mean in terms of seeing something and clicking on something Seeing something and clicking on it Versus seeing something and not clicking on it. That's called a click-through, rate. Mm -hmm. The acronym for that is CTR CTR is like the cup of Christ For everything Google, right? It's the Shangri-La. It's like the philosopher's stone if you get a higher click-through rate whether it's for SEO which is organic search which is you're not paying for the clicks or whether it's for PPC which is paid search which you're paying for clicks but you're not paying for the ads to get shown you just only pay per click if it gets clicked so if your CTR is high that's signaling to Google that your material is quality Mm -hmm. Okay, Doug searched for this The ad said this the landing page said this and the product said this. It's all in perfect alignment Imagine like a corn silo When you're driving in the Midwest, there's a big Metal tube with corn from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. That's what Google wants to see. They don't want to see a corn silo with like soybeans and rice and you know, legumes and, you know, all kinds of different stuff in it. They want to see a perfect alignment between what the people are searching for, what the ads are showing, what the, the ad the, the landing page is showing, and what the product actually is. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's what creates a higher click-through rate. Even if you get a click and then you immediately bounce out, you click on something, and you leave. You're like, oh, that's not it. Yeah, That, in Google's eyes, is a no-no. That's a bad user experience. That basically says that Google showed you something that wasn't relevant. So it it hits your relevance score. It hits your quality score. So high bounce rate, bad. High click-through rate, good. Now, the way Google auctions take place is that it's an auction, but the price is the, the the winner is not going to be who paid the highest or who has the highest bid. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the bid price multiplied by your quality score They give you a quality score on your keywords, depending on how relevant everything is how in line with the silo everything is if, if everything is perfectly lined up, you might get a seven, eight, nine, 10 even quality score out of 10. Typically 10 is associated with your brand, and then 7, 8, 9, those are all good quality scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, 4, 5, 6 is mediocre. 1, 2, 3 is bad. So let's say I'm going in the auction. I want to buy a headset. I, w- I want to sell a headset. Mm-hmm. And you're in the auction because you're in the market for a headset. I mean, I'm sorry, that, that you're trying to sell another headset. You're trying to sell brand, Doug, and I'm try and sell brand Joe. Mm -hmm. If if you go in the auction, and your bid is $3. And your quality scores, let's say eight, your paddle that you go into the auction with is going to say three times eight is 24. That's your score that you're going in. Okay, if my bid is $5. But my quality score is a four even though you're bidding $3 and I'm bidding $5, my score is going to be five times four is 20. Mm -hmm. So your score is going to be higher than mine. You're going to get the click over I will. So the click-through rate, I'm kind of getting into the weeds here, but the click-through rate is associated with how high your quality score goes. The higher your click-through rate, the higher your quality score. So when you get a high click-through rate, now you're paying less money for those better clicks. Mm-hmm. So do you think that's lo- Yeah.
1: Do you think that's why landing pages have become so popular? Because yeah. they're giving you exactly what you search for. hmm So like as a business owner, like my one of my businesses is solar, right? Okay. Yeah. And so some of the things that we sell in solar is obviously solar panels, batteries, and roofing. Mm-hmm. So let's just say I'm setting up my website. And I have one page for solar panels, one page for batteries, and one page for roofing. And uh, you know, I'm doing pay-per-click advertising and anytime somebody clicks on batteries, I send them to the battery page on my website. All right. Mm-hmm. You know, roofing and solar vi- you know, same thing. Is it is it better to have a landing page that they can't navigate anywhere else? Or is it better to have your whole your home page there and then but you're navigating them to the specific page that they're searching for?
0: Yeah, you can the the latter. So you can have your logo, which will go to the homepage, but you send them to the page where you want them to take action. But you could also further break that down. You could look in your search terms, and you could say, okay, what are all the search terms that are associated with the batteries? Mm-hmm. What are people looking at the solar batteries for? Are you looking for their? I don't I don't know what people are looking for solar batteries for, but are they looking for like, you know, backup? power Power? are they looking for main power are they looking for vehicles mobile this that the other if there's like five different subsets of stuff uh you could have different pages for those and really fine tune yeah you could fine tune like you might have like a main page and you might have sub pages Mm -hmm. or you might just send clicks directly to the sub pages depending on your volume Mm -hmm. right If, if you're only buying 100 clicks a month then you don't have enough data to do anything with anyway. But gotcha. so if you're buying, you know, 10,000 clicks a month, then you can really slice and dice and send that traffic where it has the highest probability of converting. I love it. And then the other thing you can do is every time somebody comes to your landing page, regardless of whether they buy, not buy, whatever, Google sets a cookie on their browser which means that they can be tracked over the the next 30, 60, 90 days. And what you could do is you could remarket to them. And what people don't, people know about remarketing and display where like you go to Amazon, you look at a pair of shoes, and then later you see the same pair of shoes. Yeah. And it's kind of creepy, like chasing you around the web. Yeah. Uh, But there's also remarketing and search where it's not as obvious. Somebody came in, looked for Doug Solar Panel, they got distracted, left, came back. They're looking for solar panel again, and you realize, oh, these guys were on my website before, so now you're upping your bid mm-hmm. to have them see your your ads again in search, not not in display. So they're not necessarily seeing that. Oh, I, I, I you know, this ad is kind of chasing me around. Mm-hmm. But as long as they're searching for the same thing, you can push your ad because the, the remarketing ads are like 17. I've seen as much as seven times more likely to close yeah. than, uh, than regular ads. So there's, there's a lot of kind of science in taking the audience and segment, segmenting it and yeah. say, all right, I have a remarketing list for the roof guys. I have a remarketing list for the battery people. And I have a remarketing list for the solar people. And, and, and remarket to those people, to try and get them back to come back and make that purchase or fill out that lead or make that call. Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm following for the most part, right? <laughs>
0: Not everybody's Sorry.
1: following, and um, that's why you hire companies to do this. You know what I mean? That's why you hire S- sales execs in this case. But you know, you did mention it in the past that there is some. Of digital marketing that you feel like is do it yourself. Maybe this is what entrepreneurs or C-suite people uh, execute on before they come to SalesX. And what what are some of those things you think?
0: Well, the first thing uh, any company needs to do is to claim their Google My Business page. Right. So if you go, if you click, if you Google Google My Business, or you go to business.google.com, I think. it's when somebody's searching for your business and on the side you'll see kind of the profile of your business that comes up, mm-hmm. okay? What people don't realize is that there's like 20 different things that you could fill out. So it's an amazing percentage of people that have never claimed that. And they, even though they see it it's up, they've never like went in there and updated anything. They don't they didn't put in their hours, they did not put in any pictures. Some, maybe some people will review stuff and put stuff, put stuff in there, but they don't actually do it. Mm-hmm. But the thing that's important is that Google My Business has a section where you could put in like a tweet size post about what's happening this week. Okay. Or what's happening with your business or what's special right now. Mm-hmm. You can put anything in there, you can put pictures in there, videos, text. And then what people don't realize is that that stuff shows up in search results. So that's why if you think back when you're like, oh, I want to eat like um, XYZ type of soup, Mm -hmm. you might get a result that says this company has that mentioned on their menu Mm -hmm. in the Google Maps that's where they fish that information out from. yeah so as a small business owner you could absolutely do that for yourself all the different stuff that you have going on you could actually add that as little tiny like tweet sized posts yeah to your google my business and then that will help help you so show up in the search box and it'll help you show up in of the candy box for the for the google maps which is the kind of the top three links that you see and they'll say oh show me more businesses and then 100 people drop you could crawl up to the top of that um by completely filling that out Mm -hmm. the other thing about being in google's good graces is that don't fill it out with like information that's not perfect match of how you registered your company name if your company name is X, Y, Z, comma, capital, I, N, C. That's what it should be on the Google My Business. Exactly like that. Okay. Don't, don't put like, don't put something that's different. That's like- Like a DBA. A perf- perfect alignment. You can put the DBA in there, but also put the main thing in there. Okay. Right? So the, the key is to have uh, clean data in there. You want consistency across the board mm-hmm. uh, on all of your data. Uh, in, in, that, in that Google My Business, but definitely claim it. And then as your reviews pile up in there, then you start like people, uh, I have this um, client in Hawaii. He uh, he, he teaches surfing, mm-hmm. right? Surf teacher. He has something like 400 five-star reviews in his Google My Business. Well, of course, people are gonna go to his website. Yeah, They go to his website. They look at the menu of stuff he has. They book it, they pay for it, and he tells them to show up at like 7 a.m. on you know X Y Z date. They just show up at the beach. He's just so I I, I still see his transactions. They pop up on my email, mm-hmm. and I see he's like, oh, Kimo made more money. Oh, another deal <laughs> for Kimo. Oh, another. so so every time I go to Hawaii, they're like, yeah, come over. You know, we have extra room. Come crash with us. Yeah, so he and his wife, they're awesome. So. I love it. Um, yeah, so it can there that's that's what the reviews will get you, right? If you have, there's no reason why you shouldn't have 100, 200, 300 reviews. Yeah, restaurants have that, but other businesses should have that too. Every business is interacting with tons of people every day, so why shouldn't they have that? Unless you're a business where you have like 20 uh, customers that you've been servicing for like five years, then mm-hmm. you, you can't have 400 reviews. But if but you're you a retail business, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're a retail business and people are going in and out every day, figure out a way to uh, give them a review. You know, mm-hmm. tell them, hey, make me a, leave me a review. I'll send you a Starbucks card. That Starbucks card is gonna pay for itself. It's like give and take and take and take. Yeah, you we know? have a
1: we have a process right now where you get installed. And that's our first proposal for a review. So it's the follow-up call with the customer, making sure everything went well, there's no trash on site, they're happy with their install. Hey, um, and by the way, can you go ahead and give us uh, a review on Google? So the customer success manager walks through that with them. And then we'll, you know, when they do it, we'll automatically send them, you know, a gift in the mail or a $10 Starbucks card or something like that. And then as it gets further and further away from their install date... Yeah. I think it's, if it's out a year, you know, we, we give them, like, a dinner for two to a steakhouse. You know what I mean? Like, right. review us. You know what I mean? Please. Right. But that's what I told him. I said, we're, you know, we're looking at maybe 60, 70 customers this year for 2022. Right. Solar is pretty new to us. And I was like, we need a review from every single one of them. And then yeah. we won't have to prospect eventually. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they'll be coming in the door. So yeah. uh, another thing I wanted to just touch on real quick before we wrap up here is you guys just, was it recently that you won an award for US search awards?
0: Yeah, so we we won the US search award for best agency in 2022. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but we also won it, sorry. No, sorry. go ahead. We also won it in 2019 and in 2016. So we're three times winners of the U.S. search award for best agency. Mm -hmm. For 2022, we also won our other two entries, which is best use of data and best small, uh, best low-budget campaign. We have, most of our clients are actually, have big budgets, but we have Mm -hmm. some clients, like we have a pain clinic client that's spending like $7,500 a month. Mm -hmm. We have another like, uh list broker that's spending eight grand a month and so, yeah. on. so those are anything under 10 grand is considered low budget low, low budget yeah so we won that as well so we're pretty proud of that i think one time people can say it's a fluke second time they say it's a coincidence mm-hmm. third time there's no excuse <laughs> there's no there's yeah. no like for me it was like okay man Nobody can say anything now. So, not that anybody was saying anything before, but uh, <laughs> nevertheless, it feels good, you know, as the owner of the company to to win this prestigious award three yeah. times. Um, yeah. It feels pretty good. Yeah, I mean,
1: we all need that affirmation. Some well, not even need it, but we all appreciate that affirmation sometimes. And uh kind of going through this whole podcast with you it makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? You're Yeah. You're going further and further and further deeper and deeper into it, not just giving, you know, there's so many companies that white label and give, you know, very surface level digital, uh, advertising products
0: and, mm. and they're
1: just, they're destroying, not destroying, but they're ruining the industry for the small business owner. Cause now we won't even touch digital marketing right. companies, you know, because right. we spent five grand with them and didn't get anything out of it. And there's too many stories like that for sure.
0: But, uh, yeah. That's called a scorched or there's a name for that mm-hmm. uh it's called a scorched earth method yeah yeah, and so uh,
1: for you guys, you know you're a three time award winner now what's what's next for you guys what's the next i guess search award metric that you guys are after
0: um well we um we we're we're, we're called SalesX. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't actually have any salespeople, (laughs) except for me. So there's an old saying, they say that the entrepreneur's strength, the founder's strength becomes their liability once the company matures. Yeah. We're we're a company, we have 13 people, myself, my admin, and 11 engineers, so Mm -hmm. to speak. So we don't actually have any sales or marketing. So that's why I I decided to start showing up on some podcasts to just Mm kind of get the word out. Um, because 100% of our business is either kind of referred to us or people read some of our thought leadership stuff uh, on Search Engine Land. Mm-hmm. Frederick Vallets was the, was the Google AdWords evangelist um, and uh, he's uh, part of our board of directors and he used to be our CTO. That's where we started building up our technology. But he's a regular writer for Search Engine Land and when mm-hmm. people read his stuff and they look up to see who he is, our uh companies linked in this profile so we typically get our leads that way but um, for me um, I, I was sitting across from a vp uh one of the vps of uh, agency vps from google mm-hmm. and i was showing them our platform yeah. and kind of what kind of control we have over our accounts and he was like wow i've never seen any other agency have this kind of insights on all of their yeah. plus customers all at once Uh, you guys are the best kept secret. And it's like, yeah, that's been kind of my fault because I come from sales, so I I never actually had the need to hire salespeople to do the selling. Like if somebody came in, I just talked to them myself. Yeah, And uh, so I'm hoping to to change that this year and kind of get the word out a bit more about SalesX, which, you know, I just feel like we have a lot of value to add and we're just... Like Zig Ziglar said, if you can help enough people succeed, then you will necessarily succeed. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, the, that's the deal with me, is trying to get people to kind of wake up and differentiate themselves. Yeah, 100%. Well, I, I can tell you that y'all are,
1: in the way that you operate. Um, you know, I've probably heard 100 pitches from digital advertising agencies, pay-per-click agencies and stuff. And none of them have gone into the detail that you have today, so I really appreciate that. Um, so, my last question—we're going to get a little deep here. Um, what does legacy mean to you, and what legacy do you want to leave behind?
0: I think uh, legacy is leaving the world better than than you you came in. Like, if I can contribute to more. to to one extra person's success Mm -hmm. and I'm okay with that you know we uh, we I I do a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu I've been kind of obsessed with it since 2015 Mm -hmm. Uh, and I go like six days a week um, and I see how people's lives improve through Brazilian jiu-jitsu and uh, the same thing can happen with my professional business I came up with this idea of the business value of advertising technology. So I came up with these 12 different ways that a- advertising technology can bring business value. So if somebody is a salesperson or if a VP of sales or of sales or whatever it is, if they look at those 12 different ways, they could say, oh my God, I could take the existing lead that I have and I could apply these other elements to it. Mm-hmm this is so much more business value for my business for money already spent it's already a sunk cost right right so my, my next step is to basically take uh, a summary of these conversations and turn it into a business value uh, book uh, you know probably in 2023 or 2024 mm-hmm. and basically help people outline how can I take something that I'm already doing and get much more value out of it without mm-hmm. any kind of additional expenditure? You know, and I think that would be a good legacy to leave for my kids too. You know, if, if they can see that, hey, their dad's helping a lot of people, mm-hmm. then they can just pass that on and it can just go downstream from there.
1: Yeah, that's powerful. And if you do turn it into a book, I mean, people can get access to that for ten to fifteen dollars. You know what I'm saying? And uh, when that happens, and you give that kind of value, it's returned a hundredfold. You know, whether it be clients, impact, conversations, relationships. I mean, it's just like your guy that uh, does surf lessons in Hawaii and
0: yeah. has four
1: hundred reviews. I mean, that's that's a huge impact.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you wanna if you wanna hear about impact, this this guy Christian Grogart, he started this uh, organization called the uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Globetrotters. Mm-hmm. The way I found out about him is I I got I bought a book. I saw on Instagram there was a book called BJ Globetrotters. And I bought that book and I read it and I was, I was like, great. I actually, I'm going to be in Arizona next week going to this, one of his camps. Mm-hmm. But he actually has a PDF copy of that book on his website for free. Yeah. So when I do write the book, I'm gonna take Christians' lead on that, and I'm going to provide it for free. I'm not, you know, I don't. That's great to uh, make money. If your job is an author, Mm -hmm. then that's your livelihood. You need to make money. But for me, that's not my main job. So if I have something to contribute, it's gonna be for free. Couldn't agree more. I can't
1: wait. Can't wait to see it in 2023. I think 2024 Thanks, is Dad. a cop out. It's got to come out next year. <laughs> <laughs> next year. Next
0: year. I got, I got you. I got you Doug. All right, brother
1: Joe. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You've provided an insane amount of value. Uh, if any of our listeners would like to reach out, uh, do they just go to y'all's website, or
0: do they reach out to you directly? Uh Yeah, whichever. Uh, website salesx.com, mm-hmm. and my 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 email is joe at salesx. And if you like, what I can do is I could put together a page uh, for BGST. So it's salzexcom slash BGST and summarize some of the points that I made okay. on that page. So people, they want to uh, say, what the heck was that guy talking about? Yeah, yeah. And there's a, there's <laughs> like, a summary of it. it. It sounded good, but I can't remember any of it. Then yeah. they can, they can go in there and say, Oh, here it is. Let me take this to my uh, boss and give him a pitch.
2: Yeah.
1: That, the... that would be amazing. And then we'll, okay. we'll include that in the show notes, of course along with your uh, links and the website. And I do just want to point out, you know, I'm just looking on your website, and you all have everything from a $600 a month plan to, you know, an enterprise plan. So there is no, like, minimum point here. I mean, it seems like a business that's doing less than $5,000 a month in ad spend can utilize you guys, so that's fantastic.
0: That's true. That is true.
1: All right, Joe, we'll wrap it up. I appreciate you coming on the show again, and let's get building.
0: Thank you, Doug. Amazing. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of
1: Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.